2: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: It's the race for the first overall pick in the NFL draft. It almost became a little bit more interesting last night on Monday Night Football. As the game went right down to the wire, hanging in the balance with the possibility that we could be talking about several teams in line for the first overall pick. But Joe, the good news this morning, if you are a Jets fan, and the bad news is, if you are a Jets fan, is that you win and you lose. And you lose and you win. And that has been the story for the Jets this year
3: well at least they're learning to lose properly you know in the past the jets have had opportunities and they've ended up winning four or five games and they've ruined it they've ruined a good thing when they had an opportunity i had mixed feelings about this game because i told you yesterday as a part of me as a patriots fan that says hey if we're gonna have a bad season we're not gonna make the playoffs let's go all the way let's push all the chips into the middle of the table let's do this thing and go get a big time quarterback and just have another 20-year dynasty But unfortunately, Joe Flacco was not having any of that. So now I've got to win another game, and now the Jets are an inch closer to perhaps Trevor Lawrence or whatever next piece they're going to ruin in their
0: franchise history. Wow. Wow. Real sour on that. Trevor Lawrence is going to be great for the Jets. I don't think any team <laughs> tanks. You could see it last night. The Jets were playing to win. One bad mistake at the end of the game ended up costing them. And for New England, hey, still in the hunt as far as the playoffs are concerned. Only you need to win like seven in a row. It could happen. You never know.
1: Yeah, All right. I that's did. where we'll start
0: with our headlines today. As the Jets blow a 10-point fourth-quarter lead, they are still winless. And now the uh, it gets a little dicey here to see how many games they're going to win. Will it be one? Will it be two? Will it be none? At this stage, very few teams start off this poorly. Remember that this time last year is when Miami started to win all their games after starting 0 8 So we'll see if that happens for the Jets. They certainly could have won last night, that's for sure. Ben Roethlisberger placed on the COVID list. He did test negative, and so there's no panic yet, but they're doing contact tracing to make sure that he is okay, and he could definitely be activated for Sunday. But it's simply a game at this point we're going to have to keep an eye on between the Steelers and Bengals. Um, the, some of the awards were given out last night. They'll continue that tonight. Last night was the Rookie of the Year, and both unanimous. Kyle Lewis of the Mariners, Devin Williams of the Brewers are the American League and National League Rookie of the Year. Tonight they will do Manager of the Year at both the AL and NL. Falcons' way former first-round pick, Tack McKinley. Tom Izzo, great coach at Michigan State, test positive for COVID, but of course college <laughs> basketball season doesn't start for a few weeks, so could be in line still to coach. But of course we're wishing the best of health for him. And no surprises, Gonzaga opens up as the preseason number one in college basketball. And again, this time last year, college basketball usually underway. Some of the great tournaments in Hawaii and Alaska are getting underway. But this time uh, this year, Joe, we're going to be talking about basically conference only play for the most part Mm -hmm. to get teams through this college basketball season and on to March and to the final four.
3: Yeah, it seems so long ago that we had no March Madness, and I am not the biggest March Madness person. I know a lot of people absolutely love it, and everybody becomes a college basketball expert overnight, which is my only favorite part of it, is everybody knows so much about all these kids that nobody really watched all year, but all of a sudden, everybody knows a ton about them. There's a select few that do. But still, I mean, it's disappointing that those kids did not get that opportunity to play in that tournament. That's what you live for if you're playing in one of these big-time college programs. So hopefully in 2021, we'll get that back on track. It seems like a lot of things are getting back on track, and I think that's a that's a good thing for the sports world. And uh, as far as the rookies of the year go, I'm not surprised at all with Kyle Lewis. I was a little surprised with Williams. I got to ask you, Craig, were you... A little surprised by this one, not to say these not deserving, but there were some other guys being mentioned, and and the fact that, like you said, it was unanimous, I think was slightly surprising. Cronenworth certainly was a guy that a lot of people were talking about. How about you? What was your reaction to this? Kyle Lewis, is probably not surprising.
0: Yeah, I wasn't surprised Williams won. Maybe I was surprised that both were unanimous. You usually don't get hmm. a ton of baseball writers agreeing all on one thing. And Cronenworth could have got some votes for sure. Uh, and and look, if it was a longer season you probably wouldn't give it to a guy like Williams. Maybe Brian Hayes would have continued to do what he did. Sixto Sanchez. He was a little bit up and down at the end. I think there would have been better candidates, but Williams in the games that he pitched was a very big part of what the brewers were trying to do. He'll even be a bigger part next year, but rare to have, I think the rookie of the year, Joe, just in general, be somebody that is not the closer, not the starter Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of the setup guy, which is what Williams was for some part of the year. So that to me makes the big statement and you have to wonder next year 2020 is the best statistical pitcher going to win the rookie of the year and does it have to be a guy who's starting or closing and the answer is probably no because this is a first
3: yeah it's a fascinating uh display of the evolution of the game and uh i'm in the thick of writing the new baseball black book for 2021 with my team of people and it's something that i've talked to paul Sporer about who we've had on our show many times and How we kind of adjust our brains here with pitching not just starting pitching but pitching in general and I've got some great people working on the bullpens and trying to figure that all out but this is what baseball is becoming it's an evolution of the game it does look a lot more like the baseball you'll see that you know your your 13 and 14 year old kid play over in you know (laughs) Babe Ruth League than it does necessarily look like the major league baseball you grew up with and that doesn't mean it's bad it just means we have to adjust and we also have to adjust our values of starting pitchers going forward too and understanding the value of relievers especially in these Roto formats too. And these five by five old school formats, you know, we really got to step back and understand that wins are tough to chase. They're becoming harder to chase even now and pinpoint because so many guys are just five inning starters. Anyway, how much can you get in terms of really good strikeouts whip ratio out of guys that pitch in the middle? Because these guys, do you want the 70, 80, who maybe 90 quality innings? and just pass on all the win potential and save potential. And there's a thought process out there that you can get that those other categories cheaply from other guys. So it's going to be a really interesting 2021 offseason, No doubt about that for baseball and how we readjust our thinking after the shortened season.
0: Yep, for sure. And uh, we may have to adjust our thinking a little bit on the New York jets as they showed up in a big way on Monday night football. But the bottom line is they actually had some fantasy standouts to talk about. We'll talk about that next and review who did what. There's one player in particular that's going to be hot on the waiver wire next week. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
3: welcome back everybody fantasy sports today right here on sports grid uh joe pizabia and craig mish are going to be breaking down the monday night football experience for you and it was an experience i think the best way to describe last night's game was it was the best worst game of the season yes i know that sounds like a a weird contradiction of thought but it truly really was when you think about it these were two teams that probably aren't going anywhere we know the jets certainly aren't but they played kind of a strange amusing game certainly a surprising first half for the jets and then obviously the adjustments for the patriots in the second half but let's get to the fantasy stands out before we Begin to break down where we are here with both of these teams. Cam Newton, 27 to 35 for 275 yards passing. He also had uh, 16 rushing yards in this game as well. Uh, Two touchdowns, by the way, both with a rushing touchdown variety for Mr. Newton. Joe Flacco, 18 for 25, 262 with three touchdowns and a pick. That one pick, though, was really important. Bad timing for that pick. I don't understand five minutes left in the game. Joe Flacco basically in control of everything going on. Everyone's got all their timeouts. Everyone's fine. No panic mode up by two scores. And what does he do? He throws a pick 35 yards downfield into double coverage. I don't know what he's thinking about. And I understand he was successful throwing the ball downfield. That's what Flacco historically used to do for the Baltimore Ravens. However, look, what are we doing here? You've got the game in hand. What's happening? You don't have to take risks like that, Joe. Come on. Say it ain't so. Let's look at the rest of these guys, too, because one guy is probably going to be very popular this week is going to be Jacoby Myers. He had himself a day, 12 catches, 169. Uh, Rex Burkett also got very busy in this one. 12 carries for 56 yards, three catches for 11 and a touchdown for him. Rashad Perryman, this was a big coming out party for him. Five catches for 101, two touchdowns. So Perryman, Crowder, everybody, Mims were all on the field. And it showed for the jets in my opinion it definitely showed you had joe flacco who look for all the jokes we can make about joe flacco joe flacco's had a very long career in the nfl for a reason he's won a super bowl a lot of quarterbacks can't say that a lot of quarterbacks way better than joe flacco can't say that so all the jokes aside joe flacco with a full complement of weapons can get the job done Rashad Perryman. Sure. Why not? That's a guy that's probably gonna be picked up. We'll talk about him more on waiver wire Wednesday. We'll also talk a ton about Jacoby Myers too, which there's a fun little fact here right now. The last three weeks, last three games for Jacoby Myers, he has 287 yards receiving. Nikhil Harry has 277 career receiving yards. Just to give you an idea of where those two assets are out right now in terms of real football and fantasy. So, Nikhil Harry, people, those dynasty owners that have him, move on. It's done. It's over. I'm sorry. It's just never going to happen between the injuries and the underperformance. Jacoby Myers certainly looks like the guy. Damir Bird had some moments in this game, too. And let's also not lose sight of how good Damian Harris looked in this game at times, too. I know Damian Harris got hurt at the end. We'll get an update on him today, probably. But Damian Harris looked sharp again running the football. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that he is the guy. He is the guy in the backfield they need to be turning to. Now, hopefully, he'll be the guy that's healthy enough to get the job done. But at the same time, you got to start to run the football more. The identity of this New England Patriots team, and I do mean new New England Patriots team, is play defense, run the football, make a couple plays. Now, look, they don't have a lot of playmakers on offense. We've said this many, many times on this program. But if you look at the stats here and you see what went on yesterday, you see you can use Rex Burkhead. You can use Damian Harris. You can get Jacoby Myers into things. You can have Cam Newton, who once again struggled with the progressions yesterday. There's no doubt about that in my mind. When you watch Cam Newton in this game yesterday, he struggled with the progressions. That's why there was a lot of heat on him early in this game. They made some adjustments in the second half, and all of a sudden the pendulum swung grossly in terms of time of possession. And that was the big difference in this game at the end. The jets absolutely got dominated the defense who was very aggressive as greg williams defenses typically are look they just lost steam in the second half you know when the other team has the ball for 20 plus minutes in the second half that's tough it's tough for any defense to be on the field that much and that interception with five minutes left that was it that really would put them in a bad spot and you kind of felt like things were going to kind of disintegrate there and then Sure enough, they did. And then sure enough, you do enough at the very end to get in position for that field goal. And um, hey, the rest is history, as they say. But from a fantasy perspective, what do we take away from this going forward? I think you take away if Damian Harris can get back on the field, he looked really sharp in that game yet again. So it's another good performance. He should be the guy. I don't want to hear about Sonny Michelle. I don't want to hear too much more about James White and all this stuff. Let's evaluate the talent we have. If you are an owner of Denzel Mims, of Perryman, of Crowder, If Flacco is going to be the quarterback for however long, there's things you can take away from this. I think there's a lot of opportunity here for Brashard Perryman to continue to be good. And I want to give some people credit because there were a lot of analysts out there that thought Perryman had value coming into the season based off of what you saw last year. And yes, some people dismissed him like I did because he was playing for the Jets. But you know what? We can't dismiss that line. Five catches for 101 and two touchdowns. That is clearly not something one can dismiss. It's never going to be the tight end with the jets clearly the running back position is not going to get a lot of fantasy love but crowder's been very steady this year perryman's been very steady and jacoby myers might be that guy right now that you could say okay maybe in the second half of the season we see jacoby myers who is by far the fastest guy on the patriots which might not be saying a whole lot but you see Oshevsky. you see a lot of these guys that are left here in the wake of the exodus of tom brady Gronk gone, Edelman hurt, all these pieces that everyone was so used to in this offense. It's a transition. It does take time, but at the same time, you have to still call what's true. And what's true is this without a doubt, you still have a fair amount of lacking potential and upside in terms of fantasy, in terms of skill set position players out there for the New England Patriots. Now, Craig, I went on and on for a long time about this game. I'd love to have your thoughts. I kind of dubbed this at the beginning of the segment as the best worst game of the year. So I'm curious what your thoughts were and your takeaways from this one, if any.
0: Yeah, and and look, I, I think that the second half proved to be a lot more exciting than anybody could have possibly thought. And I think that there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, Uh, The dynamic of having so many people rooting against their favorite team, I saw it here happening in South Florida all last year where where sort of people were rooting against Miami. Uh, They thought that that was the way to go, was basically root against your team, and you end up getting the first pick in the draft, and you end up getting Tua, which in this case, of course, it wasn't, and it was Joe Burrow. And so my advice for Jets fans is the same that I would would give to the Dolphins fans that happened last year. You're not going to be able to control any of this in the end. Uh, you know something could, the Jets could win games something J- Justin Fields could end up being the number one overall pick in the draft like nobody knows right now remember the last two times we had Heisman Trophy winners in college football neither of them had odds at the beginning of the season to win or even close in Joe Burrow last hmm. year and Kyler Murray the year before and you're talking about the number one overall picks in the draft so I, I think that in some sense to me, it's a little crazy to root against your team, if you are the Jets in this case. But, Joe, in the end, it's, it's so little is, is within your control. A lot of people thought Miami blew it last year by not losing games, and they still ended up with the guy that they wanted. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have the first pick overall in the draft. So sometimes things like that happen. Yeah.
3: And I think it's just compounded this year because it's Trevor Lawrence and people have been waiting for him for multiple years now. And I think that's always different. You know, Joe Burrow kind of came out of nowhere, whereas Tua was a guy people were waiting on. And, and you're right. Who knows who's going to come out of nowhere this year? Who knows which guys are going to increase their draft stock? And also let's not forget that if you go back a couple years in the draft, the quarterbacks that were in the first round, but people still thought were projects were Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Well, one of them just won the MVP and the other guys in the conversation this year for the MVP. So it's not always the guys at the top of the board who end up becoming the franchise QBs either. So it's it's something a little food for thought. I mean, Justin Herbert, you can throw that conversation too. a guy that very split in terms of evaluation. But look how good he has been out of the gate, too. So I would say to anybody of any of the fans of the teams that are kind of, you know near that top of the bottom, as it might be, to you know just watch your games enjoy yes of course the the worse you are you get tr- closer to maybe the sure thing of Trevor Lawrence but I don't know anymore what a sure thing is and isn't I guess the last sure thing felt like Peyton Manning where I just felt like there's no way that guy's gonna miss but even he struggled at times in his rookie season so I guess you never know Craig but you're right I mean the Jets could easily fall into a couple wins here and the uh, the landscape of this number one overall pick could absolutely change here in the uh, November December months
0: Yep, it sure could. All right, we'll take a quick break right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Plenty more to come a little bit later in the show. We're going to do a little hot take Tuesday. So make sure you stay tuned. Fantasy Sports Today is coming up with more. Don't go away.
1: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And welcome back. Time to play a little fantasy by the numbers in fantasy football here in 2020. And certainly I think that when you look at running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, the sample size now is big. It's more than half the season. You kind of know what you're getting of course, Joe, injuries have been a big part of the 2020 season. So it really has been, as they say, like the war of attrition. To me, in the leagues that I, look, that I look at, and I look now I'm looking at who's in first, who's in second. And when I look at the teams that are in first, I'm like, eh, these teams aren't even that great, but they haven't had a lot of injuries. And, and I hate to think that that's the recipe to win fantasy football these days, but it certainly feels that way.
3: Well, look, it's certainly the episode in the uh, of of what twenty twenty is. I mean, that that's it. This is the recipe. This is what it is. it's It's definitely the war of attrition. It's also taking some shots on some guys and being right, too, because the problem with fantasy football is really don't have a long period of time. It's not like baseball where you have a month or two to really see everything and so many games played that you get a sense of a player. Basically, by the time you get a sense of a player, you might've already missed out on them. So you have to take some educated guesses and I think it's very important. That's why you follow the good analysts out there uh, in the fantasy realm. And that's why you try to watch shows like this, because we try to be proactive on some of those guys instead of reactive. And if we're proactive properly, at least you can stay in the conversation. But a one guy who's definitely in that conversation right now for number one, overall pick and the number one specifically here, by fantasy by the numbers is Dalvin cook. Not only is he number one right now in rushing yards, he's also number one in average. He's also number one in touchdowns. And this is with coming out of a game early and missing a game altogether. So he missed week six, but let's be honest, he also kind of missed week five. So he's missed two games, Craig. And he is still number one in all of these categories. And it starts to make you wonder is the number one with Dalvin Cook getting closer and closer to being reality in 2021, especially when we consider Christian McCaffrey could have another injury here. He's dealing with Ezekiel Elliott's kind of falling out of favor right now, turning into Todd Gurley, perhaps as we kind of mused about yesterday and Alvin Kamara as great as he is it's a PPR style running back. He doesn't carry the ball as much as a guy like Dalvin Cook. So it's starting to feel like that groundswell might be going to a consensus of Dalvin Cook in a first round that could be all over the map next year.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great point. And, and I think that I don't think the first round is going to be all over the map, but I think the first few picks are because we really are not going to have a consensus, I think, until the end of the year. It's fun to predict and guess. But don't ask me on November 10th to predict who you're going to take on August the 10th, because at this point, a lot can happen before the end of next season. Quarterbacks can change in different spots. But I think number one, two, three, and four may come down to preference. At this point, if you want to play who's the hottest, yeah, there's no doubt. It's Dalvin Cook. But Dalvin Cook is also one injury away from worrying about him again next year, too. So McCaffrey will be in the conversation. Cook will be in the conversation. Henry. Camara, all of those players, I think, are definitely viable, and I think have a shot to be. But uh, and I hate to say, you got to wait because I think you do. I think you got to let the rest of the season play out to make that final call before we do for next year. Uh, How about rushing touchdowns? There is a pace being, I I think, on the way to be broken. (laughs) Joe Kyler Murray is having maybe one of the best quarterback seasons of all time. I know Cam Newton. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, has the all time rushing record for a quarterback. But Murray rushed for over 100 yards last week, and he's on pace to have MVP numbers. We'll talk about MVP coming up in a little bit, but he may, he may not win the regular MVP. He could end up being the fantasy MVP, that's for sure.
3: Try this on for size, Craig. He is the first player in NFL history for the first eight weeks of the season to have 500 yards rushing and 2,000 yards passing in the history of the NFL. So as Gray's Lamar Jackson was last year, he didn't hit this threshold. So that's where we are right now and i'm glad we're talking about mvp today because if the cardinals do make the playoffs how is this not a Kyler murray mvp consideration i mean this is a guy that really is putting this team on his shoulders he doesn't have much of a running game at all he is the running game he is the passing game because he's the quarterback he is the leader of this team you see him in that seattle game on top of the offense on top of the defense yelling at them talking to them when they fell behind that game in seattle what did they do They came back and ultimately won that football game. This is a leader. This is a guy that people thought might go play baseball, and they were questioning whether or not Kyler Murray should make that decision if he was making the right decision. I don't know, man. We're uh, a year and a half into the Kyler Murray experiment as a quarterback in the NFL, and it looks like that kid made the absolute right decision and a lot of rushing touchdowns on top of that. This guy right now every week on Fanduel is a value and because he's not at the top of the board. He's still not near Patrick Mahomes' yeah. $9,300 salary. He is at 86 or so, and it's crazy to me because I'm starting him every week in a couple lineups. And I keep looking at the roster percentage and it's never where it should be. It's always far too low. I don't know what it's going to take for people to start catching on, but they really are missing out.
0: Yeah. Murray is, uh, I mean, to me at this stage, probably one of the two or three guys that if you were doing a redraft, you would have a hard time not looking at him at the second round of a fantasy football mm-hmm. draft. I know it's really hard to take a quarterback that early, but if you're talking about him averaging 70, 80 yards on the ground, this is like Lamar Jackson category from last year. And I know that Jackson didn't go as high. Murray may be a better uh, pass thrower than Lamar Jackson. I know it's crazy to say, but I mean he, he looks like he's got everything and eight touchdowns thus far. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's dominant on the ground too. And, uh, and in terms that of you, started, could,
3: you could possibly you could possibly draft Dalvin Cook number one overall next year and then turn around in the second round and draft murray and keenan allen and that's a heck of a start to a team in my opinion and i i think we're gonna start looking at the early quarterbacks because those are also the guys that stay healthier typically because they're more protected than the other players in the nfl right now so that's another change in thinking i started writing about this in the black book this year and i think it's even going to push further next year considering the athleticism that's out there in terms of the quarterbacks running the football in 2020
0: All right, let's talk a little wide receiver, Joe, and this will be a number that I think people will be really surprised with. I was surprised when I saw it this morning. Uh, The target number in the NFL, who would you predict has the most targets in the NFL at this point? I don't think that you'd ever look to the Buffalo Bills for the answer here, Joe. No one would ever guess that, even even with knowing what his stats are. (laughs)
3: <laughs> even, you know, what happens is it's just the consistency. And I think that's, that's what we have to step back and understand. And as inconsistent as Stefan Diggs was last year in that Minnesota Vikings offense is the exact opposite of what he's been this year. And look, this past week was a really good matchup. We talked about that heading into the week, but it's been every week, even in the down Josh Allen games, Stefan Diggs has been good. Even when John Brown has been healthy, Stefan Diggs has been good. Even when the running game was actually present or Josh Allen was scoring a lot of touchdowns and running. Stefan Diggs was still good. So we have to kind of readjust our brains going into next year. And the reason why some of these conversations are so important is because in Dynasty and Keeper Leagues, you have to start evaluating where talent is, who are the top five picks, who's a first-round caliber return on investment, because those are the kind of, if you are a team that's out of it right now, those are the kind of assets you want to be acquiring, and as many of them as you can. So even though this might be a little bit of, I would say foolishness, but a little bit of hyperbole at this stage, you have to start thinking like this in those dynasty keeper formats because you have to understand what assets am I going to need to acquire now that I can possibly in order to re-up for next year in trades. And that's why a uh, number like 91 right now for Stephon Diggs, I mean, that's just mind-blowing. And you know what? This is the first year of them together. A lot of people question if that could work in year one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was not a big Diggs fan going into this year based off last year. <laughs> you were not sure a big Diggs fan
3: it. last year. That was a tough, no, that was he, a tough he year he for you and nuts. Stephon.
0: <laughs> he drove me nuts for sure. He was like my hardman of this year. All right, let's, uh, let's go over to the Denver Broncos, and it looks like for the most part, Joe, at least we have one receiver there that's viable to play in fantasy. It's taking almost the whole season to end up playing them. <laughs> but you know, I suppose at the beginning of the season, if I would have told you Cortland Sutton would have played one game, and then asked you what Jerry Judy's stats would be at this point, you would have guessed they'd be a lot better than what they are. I mean, you would have had to. Uh, But maybe now we'll start to see the fruit of waiting on that.
3: Yeah, and I'll tell you what. I think to a certain extent the Cortland Sutton injury really hindered Jerry Judy's early development Uh, because I think it's a lot easier for a young Jerry Judy to come into the NFL having Cortland Sutton on the other side and working a lot of single coverage and kind of just getting the playbook, and getting his feet under him a little bit. No matter how talented you are, It's still a learning curve in the NFL and 24 right now. That's the number of targets for this guy the last two weeks. And that is significant. It's significant because I still think there's a general malaise when you talk to people about Jerry Judy that they're still not buying in. So if he's available, the long-term and even short-term second-half opportunity for this guy is still quite relevant. So keep that in mind. Jerry Judy should be a target on all your teams and in DFS, a guy that you should start to pay attention to because of that volume.
0: And then finally, let's close it out with the MVP of my team. I can't really say MVP. Neither of my teams are doing well anymore. I'm under 500 now. I'm going to have to crawl out of this hole that I've dug. Uh, but look, bottom line is is that the best receiver in the NFL this season, no doubt, has been the man on Seattle.
3: Yeah, and the A dot that number 14 and a half. And people say, what's that? What's A dot? It's the average depth of target. So we're talking about wide receivers that make big plays, and sometimes big plays lead to touchdowns and big fantasy points. And obviously D.K. Metcalf is doing that. There's only one guy in the NFL that's a higher A-dot than this guy. It's in the 15 range, and his name is Calvin Ridley. So the two black book wide receivers, number one and number two in A-dot. Now, hopefully Ridley will be healthy enough, but let me tell you something. D.K. Metcalf, we keep trying to get the measuring stick out for this guy with all the muscles and all the speed and everything this guy's got. And every time you find a new metric or something else, you say, boy, I'm really excited about this guy. Moy 2021, could you imagine where he's going to go in this draft? I got to tell you, with all the uncertainty at running back, if I'm sitting in the sixth spot overall next year, I would take DK Metcalf. I know exactly what I'm locking in. I'll take my Kyler Murray in the second round. I've got those two guys to start a team with, and I think every week I know I'm going to be competitive. And then I'll figure out running back. I will, I will play the waiver wire. I will look for the PPR style guys. I will hopefully find the next James Robinson because I can tell you right now where we are in year two right now of DK Metcalf. We're going to get into that whole Calvin Johnson kind of conversation. We're getting into that new Julio Jones conversation. This is a very exciting wide receiver and so good so young here and I know some people weren't buying it last year but all the numbers were there and I want to give Mike Taglier a ton of credit too because he was pointing out if this guy just catches more balls in second year he's going to be a stud and he has it
0: he's really been and um, listen I wish I had a lot around him it would have been a better year for me <laughs> All right, hot take Tuesdays coming up next so make sure you stay on the grid this is fantasy sports today Craig Miss, Joe Pia. talk a little sports cards also coming up in the second hour of the show tell you what's hot and what you should be getting in on. We'll be right back. Either way.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today, SportsGrid, SportsGrid.com. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia, Dr. David Chow will be with us on the show tomorrow to go over all the latest injuries, news, and information. But Joe, I think the most important thing that we do here on these Tuesdays is just to throw out random things, wonder if they're real, fake, and it's not even fantasy reality. We call it Hot Take Tuesday. So where are we going to start today?
3: Well, look, we throw them out in order to spark a conversation. These are these are like, you know, those party games where people don't know each other and they want to get to know each other better and find out more about each other. I know with the Sports Good Retreat, we did a lot of this. Uh, my Cardano was uh, obviously out there and he was giving us all these different things. And we had the trust exercises, which, by the way, I- I'm still not happy the fact that you dropped me, but that's OK. We, we continue to move on. You sh- I-, I put my arms like this. I, I close my eyes. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't remember much of it either because of the bump on the back of my head when you dropped me, but it's all. I don't remember him picking you up. (laughs) He hasn't. I'm still on the floor. (laughs) I can tell you that much. (laughs) All right, so let's have a little hot take Tuesday. Let's get the conversation going. We'll get the party started a little bit here. And uh, Jacksonville has a new quarterback, and he looked pretty good in week one of his uh, debut here. But Jake Luton is better than Garden Minshew. Hot take, Craig Mish. Because a lot of people are saying, oh, look at him go, look at him giving stiff arms and look at him spinning around and he looks so good, all this stuff. But really, is he just another Gardner Minshew? I kind of feel like he might be. I think this is a hot take. I don't think he's better. I think he's exactly the same. He's just the newer one that the rest of the league hasn't seen yet. That's at least my take. The only thing I could take out of this is that DJ Shark was healthy and he looked good. James Robinson looked good. So, hey. Anybody who keeps those assets rocking and rolling, I'm happy about. I don't care if it's Luton. I don't care if it's Minshew. I don't care. Just whatever. Just go out there and, and do whatever you're doing. Go get that next uh, number two overall pick or number one overall pick. But I don't know, Craig, do you think this guy was better or is better than Garner Minshew after this one game?
0: Oh, well, I, I don't know the answer to that. So I, I got to say it's a hot take only because I don't know. Now, here's here's a couple of things that I know. Uh, Luton is willing to throw deep. He's willing to let things develop a little bit more. Those are definitely things that I saw. So I think that that was really important. But I think that beyond that, um, you know, I, I'm not really sure if, I mean, if he's going to be best to really run the offense, because I don't know that Jacksonville is going to be playing behind in every game like they were. And I think that was more of a reason why Luton ended up having the big game that he did.
3: Yeah, well, the Jacksonville defense is is not very good. It's certainly not the Jacksonville defense of a couple of years ago that was in the AFC championship. I think we all know those pieces are all gone now. And what you've got is is a team that's, you know, unfortunately gonna give up a ton of points. That's good and fancy because it's gonna be the Jacksonville offense, is gonna have to try to keep up. So hopefully, um I maybe mean, Gardner Minshew right now, maybe he's got something to say about this. I don't know. Gardner Minshew's calling, you know, you have to realize. You know, Craig Mish is very famous. He's, he's tied into all these guys. They hear him getting talked about on the show. They start calling Craig Mish and say, hey, you know, I, I'm a big deal. D- don't talk about me right now. Don't say I'm just a hot take and just kind of push me aside. Don't do that to me. I'm still Gardner Minshew. Look at my mustache. But Gardner, look, we just got to call it what it is for now. So hot take Tuesday, number two. Raheem Morris has turned around the Falcons. Now, I understand there's still some warts here with the Falcons, but they've certainly played better Uh, Defensively, they've shown some more respect for themselves. They've even made some moves on the roster. And sometimes this happens, Craig, where you get a head coach who the second time around has a better opportunity and a better feel for the job. Raheem Morris was a very hot coaching candidate not that long ago, had a good run in Tampa. Good luck there. Did not work out, unfortunately, for him went back to being a coordinator and now he's getting his second life here and I'll say this it seems like the guys like him it seems like it was a better tone going forward a lot of the little clips and I know you're you know being a reporter you kind of listen to these things what the quarterback has to say what some of the defensive players have to say about the accountability factor a lot of that seems to be on the up and up here for Mr. Morris and I'm wondering if this guy not only has turned around the Falcons but maybe turned around his career and is the head coach going forward into 2021 is the interim Raheem morris the real deal craig mish
0: yeah it's it's a good question i think that morris has done a nice job coaching but i don't think that they should be handing over the reins to him i do Mm -hmm. think they need to start fresh uh atlanta play has played better with him than they have played with their previous coach but i don't think that that's saying very much because again Remember, they lost a lot of close games at the beginning of the season. So, hot take for me. I don't think he's turned around the Falcons. This looks like the same exact thing as last year. You also have to factor in luck in the NFL. Not Andrew Luck, but luck in general. (laughs) The Falcons have been very unlucky in the first half. The luck will turn around. They'll be better in the second half. So, he's not turned them around. They just got a little lucky. Now they're finally winning games.
3: I don't know, man. They uh, gotta start getting luckier in the first half of seasons. <laughs> you can't keep doing this every year. You can't keep going zero and you know zero and six, two and six to start seasons and be relevant in the NFL. Sorry, it's just not a good right. recipe. Got to get off to some better starts next year. Atlanta, pay attention a little bit. All right, hot take Tuesday. Tuesday, hot take Tuesday rolls on here with the Ravens. Mm, the Ravens' defense alone can carry them to the Super Bowl. I don't know. This is a little dicey here. Ravens offense, definitely not the same unit of last year, not in terms of efficiency, not in terms of productivity, not in a lot of terms, basically. But the defense has been pretty good, and the defense continues to keep them in games. Now, they've lost two big games at home this year to the Pittsburgh Steelers and to the obvious Super Bowl defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs. The question is, is it a hot take to say the defense is good enough to carry them all the way to the Super Bowl, even past those teams should they meet again in the playoffs, Craig?
0: Yeah, I think that for me, when I look at it, and there's a lot Gardner, of different. Just ways.
3: stop bothering Craig Gardner. Will yeah, you just stop I, I, it? I, 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 you have moved on. You know, my apologies
0: today. It's not. It's, it's not stopping today. It's just. It's, it's just look,
3: look, look, Craig. Look, look, Craig Mish is very important in Florida. <laughs> Everybody has to understand this. And and look, it's Gardner. Embarrassing. I have to, it's embarrassing. It's not it's embarrassing. Like one of these. Gardner, days where everything's kind of going I know. I We've all had those days, but Gardner, look, they made the move. It's out of your control now. Just go be a good backup and let Jake Luton play. Just stop. Okay. We talked about it. It's over now. We've moved on to the Ravens. Go ahead, Craig. Hot take. Baltimore all Ravens. Right, team's Ravens. Good enough.
0: Uh, yes, that is not a hot take. Their defense can carry them to the Super Bowl. It has happened before with the Baltimore Ravens, and it can happen again. I simply don't think that they are willing to give the same amount of volume on the ground or through the air to Lamar Jackson until it really matters. You're still going to see monster games from Lamar Jackson, but the path is not so. now. The Ravens are going to win 10 games or 11 games with him throwing for 150 yards and rushing for 50 because their defense is that good. Make no mistake about it. At some point, you're going to see the Lamar Jackson that you saw last year. There's just no reason for them to bust it out yet.
3: Yeah, I hope so. I hope you're right. I think it's a hot take. I don't think this year in the NFL you can win with defense alone. I just don't think you can. Not the way things are trending. It's it's an, it's a gunslinger league right now, and everyone's just opening everything up. And I don't know if you can hang with a team like the Kansas City Chiefs when all said and done. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe you're right. Maybe this is when the switch gets turned, but – Time's ticking here. I want to see that switch turned. Uh, Gardner, don't you call during this next one. All right, let's stick with the Ravens here. Marquise Brown will never be a fantasy asset. This is a little harsh. Seeing a lot of hatred going out there on the internet, on the Twitterverse. but uh, Disappointed Marquise Brown owners, and I can understand why. It's been a pretty bad season. He's even chirped and still can't seem to get the ball, but maybe it's not all his fault. Maybe it is. I don't know, but it's starting to feel like we gave him a second chance. It might just not be happening. I actually don't think this is a hot take. I don't think right now he is a fantasy asset. There's guys on some other teams right now as a third wide receiver that I'd rather have than the Baltimore Ravens one. And that's just a fact for me. So I don't think this is a hot take. I actually think there's some truth here. What do you think about Hollywood Brown? Is he uh, going back to being a direct to uh, direct to Netflix? Maybe he's not necessarily as Hollywood as we thought.
0: Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of John Ross's situation. I know that's things to Ah. say, but it it kind of is the same to me. Uh, But I do think that I would not give up on Brown just yet. I still think that there's potential uh, for him. I just don't know that it's going to happen uh, right now. So my answer is never is a little bit strong. I don't like to deal in absolutes when it comes to fantasy, so I'll say it is a hot take.
3: I don't know. You said you'd never drop me either, and then you did. So so much for those absolutes. I you know. I mean, what, what, was
0: you, what how is this all coming into play? You were on the <laughs> ground and Mike picking you up. And you're on the, I mean, it sounds like you uh, want to you know, laying down today. You want to just lay back and just do the show. <laughs> no, not at all.
3: All right. Next hot day ticket. Let's talk about them cowboys. How about them cowboys? Hot take Tuesday. Cowboys will go winless the rest of the season. Here's the rest of the schedule at Minnesota, Washington, at Baltimore, at Cincinnati, San Fran, Philly, and then at the Giants to finish things up. Now, I imagine they're going to win a game in here somewhere, but there's a lot of negativity out there. As you well know, a lot of people see a couple things. They see the downward spiral, and I understand thinking this. I look at that schedule. I think there's at least one more win. There's a bunch of losses, too, mind you. But I'm going to say this is a hot take. I think the Cowboys will win at least another game. Craig, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And and I thought Gilbert played a halfway decent game. Do I think that they're winning five, six, seven? No. But, I mean, look at the way Danucci played in the two games that he played. Do You could not have possibly thought that anybody could play worse. And I feel bad for that kid. They threw him in a horrible situation. But I'll take a quarterback from any league that's competitive, like the AAF, and throw him in a football game as opposed to somebody who hasn't played in the NFL at all, ever, Mm. preseason, regular season, nothing. It was not fair to him. It was a bad decision by the Cowboys to do that, too. Uh, Cowboys will win three games between now and the end of the year.
3: All right. Put that number up there. I'm going to put it up on the wall. Now, this one's dangerous because the only only person in Florida more popular than Craig is this next guy, and it's Tim Tebow. And I'm going to ask this question right here. Could Tim Tebow have been Taysom Hill? if maybe Tim Tebow was in the right situation with the right person in his ear and all these things, because I watched Taysom Hill play and it's hard not to think of Tim Tebow a little bit, great athlete, you know, could throw the ball a little bit. You know, we know that certainly could run certainly strong, certainly a, a a game changing winning personality kind of leadership guy. And maybe he was just a little too early in terms of where he was in the NFL and where the NFL was with him. So I'll ask this question. This is more just for fun. Could Tim Tebow hot take been Taysom Hill if things had worked out properly or even maybe better?
1: Hmm.
0: Um, I'm going to say it's a good one, man. I'm going to say no. I, I think Taysom no. Hill. Yeah, I'm going to say Taysom Hill has a better arm than Tebow did. I, I think that's Tebow fair. could have been viable in the NFL. I think he could have played. But but Hill is a different level, I think, of prospect. And and I think, honestly, the issue for me is that he never got a fair shot, Tebow, right? Like Denver, had they not signed Peyton Manning, I think Tebow could still be in the NFL. But uh, I can't sit here and, and not be transparent about it. I think Hill is a freak athlete. He's a player that we haven't seen come along in a long time. I don't think it's going to work out for him like Breeze. I think they're off their rocker thinking that that's going to work. But uh, no, no. Nah, it wouldn't have happened for Tebow like Hill. Hill's a better player. Uh,
3: I, I think I agree with you, but um, I thought it was fun because I, I saw somebody out there kind of make that comment about, boy, imagine if Tim Tebow had played for New Orleans and right now and maybe he would be Taysom Hill. And I thought to myself, wow, it could have been. It could have worked out that way. But I agree. I think in terms of arm strength, certainly better. Um, but maybe maybe this version of the NFL, I mean, it's, it's funny. Tebow wasn't that long ago. But I feel like since Tim Tebow was playing for Denver till now, that position has changed remarkably and what the expectations are out of it and what people are looking for in that position. And I know a lot of people tried to work with him. McDaniels was one of them and some other guy tried to work with him to get better in terms of, you know, holding the football where he is and all the technical things of playing quarterback. And it just never really worked out, unfortunately, but it's fun to at least talk about, especially, uh, you know, Mr. Florida man himself, Tim Tebow. You know, just just a notch, just a notch above you. Not much. I wish, I wish
0: something would have worked out for Tebow. Honestly, in my heart of hearts, uh, I thought Tebow could have played in the NFL, but I also thought he should have either taken an AAF gig or just something else, just to kind of get himself back in. And he refused to do that and stuck with baseball. So. All right, we gotta take a quick break here on Fantasy Sports Today. Coming up next, we'll do a little fantasy trivia, and then we'll have our headlines coming up at the top of the hour. Make sure you stay tuned. More Fantasy Sports Today, right on deck.
2: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: All right, welcome back. Time to play a little fantasy trivia as we wrap up the first hour of the show. We'll have our headlines coming up at the top of the hour, giving an update on Ben Roethlisberger of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But, Joe, let's head over to quarterback. Let's see if I can go 50-50. I think two weeks ago I got one right. Last week I got one wrong. I'm like, I think I'm less than 50% for the season, which is not good. So hopefully I'll get this one today.
3: but your guesses are good. I think you have some good guesses out there. And usually you're at least in the realm of possibility. I also
0: guess New England would cover last night, too. That was a bad guess. Well, we won't talk much about that.
3: All right, let's move forward here. Patrick Mahomes made history this weekend by becoming the youngest player in NFL history, a quarterback to throw for 100 touchdowns. The question I'm going to ask you is, who did he pass on that list? Was it your own Dan Marino, South Florida legend? Was it Kurt Warner, who certainly uh, in his career threw for a lot of touchdowns real quick? Or was it old school Johnny Yu? ABC, which way are you going? It's not you, Gardner. And it's not you. Stop calling Craig. You did not throw 100 touchdowns yet in your career. I'm sorry. He's so rude. Go ahead.
0: I am going to say it is not Johnny Unitas. Uh, I'm going to say it is between Marino and Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. And my guess is I'm going to go with Kurt Warner.
3: I'm sorry Craig Mish that is incorrect uh, the, the correct answer was Dan Marino you should have gone with the gut I mean come on you know, Florida you theme. Have known. I just did a Tebow too thing easy, easy. It just had a hurricane I've been doing a whole theme here for Florida this past week I don't know what but yes but actually funny enough these were the next guy so this was the order so it was Marino he passed and then right after him was Kurt Warner by just a hair and then right after that believe it or not was Johnny Unitas? So I guess part of it is, you know, how early he got in the league, but people don't understand. And when everybody talks about the greatest quarterbacks of all time and, and yes, it was a different era, but you have to understand Johnny Unitas in his era, when you go back and look at the stats, revolutionized the game without Johnny Unitas, you do not have Montana, Marino, Brady, Manning breeze. They do not exist. So in a little bit more love to Johnny, U.
0: Yeah. And I, and I really, I'm embarrassed that I didn't get Dan Marino to end the hour, but it has not been my day. That is evident here on Fantasy Sports Today. But you know what? we got another hour to go. So we'll see if I can do a little bit better. We'll be back with your Fantasy Sports right here on Sports Grid. So make sure you stay on the grid, don't go away.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce
0: Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more
3: success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at
0: sfdc.co slash digital360.